Welcome to the Pigcast, your weekly media and marketing pig out. Brought to you by Prize Pig and hosted by Amanda Westfall. Welcome to the Pigcast for today. I try and get some really exciting guests for you, and I wonder if you thought it was super exciting to see a lawyer on the list for today. Um, while law stuff is usually a bit dry, I'm really excited uh, to chat with Stacey today. She did all our terms and conditions for the pig and made it nice and easy because I didn't have to do anything. And then on top of that, um, she actually just thinks a little broader. So we're going to chat with her about how uh, she can help you out with some branding stuff um, and how to make sure you're really covering your ass, which is important. Over to Stacey. Hi, I'm Stacey Smith. I'm the founder of Vivid Legal, and we specialize in building really strong foundations for the protection and growth of your business so that you can use legal in a really strategic way and make sure that you have every chance of success going forward with your business. Thank you for joining the podcast, Stacey. I actually um, used you guys for all of our T's and C's for the pig, which was, I'm sure, a fun a fun experience for you, being like, what do you do again? <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of wanted to get you on the podcast to chat. I, I know that you're doing a lot around the small business and startup space um, and really helping people out. So I, I wanted to get you on here this week to pick your brain um, on how you can point small businesses in the right direction. Absolutely. No, pleasure. Pleasure to have this chat with you. It's something that I'm really passionate about. And I think there's a, a real gap in the legal market and just the availability for startups and early stage businesses and entrepreneurs to be able to get advice about what they're doing at those early stages because, you know, it's daunting and there's a lot of information people don't have. So, you know, that's what I'm here to do. I think there's also a bit of, well, I don't need a lawyer. I'm only starting up. Mm, yeah. And a lot of people think, you know, I only need a lawyer when there's a problem. Like, there's no problem, so what do I need a lawyer for? And that is the traditional way people think of law, and it kind of kills me that people do that because my experience has shown me that once you've got a problem that's happening, it's usually way too late to deal with it effectively. And there is a lot of stuff you can do up front where you can have really strong foundations to make sure either that problem doesn't come up or if it does, you're already halfway to solving it. And for a small business who's got so much on their plate already, no not having to deal with that issue at all or at least having it half dealt with is such, such a benefit to their business and people just don't know that. So where do you start? I mean, from, from somebody when we first sat down and had a chat on that flight and we were talking, yeah. I was like, oh, a lawyer, I actually have never spoken to a lawyer before. <laughs> and you were having a, a heart publication thinking, oh, my God, you've got a business. How can you not have done the lawyer route? That was a real eye-opener for me and I, and I feel quite um, I'm quite excited to be in a position now to share that knowledge, to be chatting with other small business owners and be like, hey, by the way, I, I learned this the hard way. Um, I was a bit late on the uptake of getting some support around this. So with, for somebody like me or somebody who, you know, has a, has a startup or a, a business where they haven't had lawyer intervention yet, where do we start? Let's go with the basics. Yeah, cool. So, look, there are some some obvious. Well, sorry, excuse me. Obvious to me because yes. I know them. <laughs> Not obvious to everyone else. Not obvious. Um, the, the starting blocks for me, there, there are two key starting blocks. And the first one is your structure. No one gets the right advice in their structure. And the second one is your brand. Um, in my view, if you don't get your brand right, you've actually got no chance at all to move forward really quickly and or, or, or at all potentially because unless people know who you are and know what to call you, then how do they talk about you and how do they spread the word and how do they find you when they're searching for you and tell you apart from your competitors and people don't put enough emphasis in my view on their brand and they just go, oh, well, I'll call myself whatever I want to and there's a far smarter way to approach it when you're particularly when you're starting up. Okay, and what's that way? Oh, 
Oh, there are so many ways. Is that the million-dollar um, question? It how is. Come, and how come you're talking about branding? I mean, you're a lawyer. Lawyers don't talk about branding. They talk about terms and conditions. And isn't that the point? Um, <laughs> you know, as, as a lawyer and particularly having, you know, uh, IP and trademarks have been my baby for the last 20 years. And, and so I've seen people doing what they do and whether they've done it right or they've wrong. And I've seen all the results of that. And I've learned what works and what doesn't. And how do you do it in the first place correctly rather than waiting for an objection or a problem to arise? And, and I just see a proactive approach is much better. So for me, branding is all about using that knowledge and that experience to get it right up front rather than waiting um, to go see the lawyer when you've got some objecting to your trademark or telling you that you're using uh, their images or whatever it might be. So for me, branding as a lawyer, it's it's a couple of things. It's one way to connect with people because everyone loves their brand. Mm. Everyone's committed to their brand. It's, it's, a, it's an emotional commitment and I'm no different. I am oh, as well. I'm head over heels crazy in love with my pig. And you have an amazing brand and the great thing that you're doing is that you also, you, um, you're consistent with your branding throughout your business. So mm-hmm. other ventures that you're doing have this consistency, which is so important because if you've already built a following and a loyalty to one business using a brand, you have an immediate advantage in starting the next one if you can use that loyalty base to propel the second one forward by having some consistency there. If people recognize it and they already like the first, one then they're all automatically going to like the second one yeah you've already developed the trust yeah that's right and you know I think so some really important factors to think about you know uh, three of the key things I always say that you, your brand needs to be and you need to stop and take a breath and stop being so emotional and just think about <laughs> this stuff not you Amanda your listeners <laughs> oh I, me more than anybody <laughs> emotional more than anybody absolutely of course Um, So your brand's got to be unique, um, being that no one else is using it. It's so super important to make sure of this. And today what I tell everybody is you've got to think global because the internet and social media is everywhere. E-commerce is rampant. It doesn't matter if somebody is using the same name as you in America. Um, If you want to be smart about it and you want to think global, if you find that somebody is using your name in America while you're still developing your brand, you have the opportunity to do something different couple of reasons for that. The first one is this. What if they do something wrong? What if someone using the – can I use your brand as an example, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great idea. So someone in, in America is using Price Peak, for an example, mm-hmm. and they go and they do something completely unethical and dreadful and awful and they're all over social media and people are whinging about it. And then your customer comes and searches for Price Peak and the first thing they find is this negative article or social media commentary about Price Peak would they know that it's you or the U.S. company because you have the same or very similar name? Wow, what a point. Never thought about that. And massively damage your own brand. And people are like, oh, but I'm not. they'll know. Well, will they know? Will if they the know? brand is so similar and people are confused between them and don't realize that there even is a U.S. price pick, they might not know there's a difference. So why would they think it's someone else? And it's something people don't think about. Right. So it's not only when you when you check the registrations for business names in Australia. I mean, we're all pretty good at that. You check it. Oh, it's free. Bags it. Um, it it's a bigger concept than that. You need to be checking internationally, seeing what everybody else is doing. Yeah, yeah. My, I, I, I always, you know, go to the international registry named Google, and and <laughs> it's seriously low tech me for a lawyer, but that is what I suggest you do because if you find that other people are doing it, if they're found on Google, then your customers are going to find them. 
your brand's really got to reflect your values because people will buy from you because they relate to your story. They relate to what you stand for. They relate to what you can offer. They like that you get their pain points and that, you know, what you're doing there um, is, is relevant to them and not to some general generic person. And those kind of brands stand out to people rather than being one of the, one of the things people often do is they like to have a descriptive name. So the example I'd use is, you know, Joe's Pie Shop. Excellent. Everyone knows it's, it's, a, it's you know, a no-brainer. Everyone knows that Joe's Pie Shop sells pies. That's great. What happens when you have a brand like that, though, is that you get completely price pointed out of your market. Everyone looks at Joe's Pie Shop and then John's Pie Shop and David's Pie Shop, and what they do is they say, great, well, they all sell pies, so I'm now going to look at who's got the cheapest pie because that's what I care about. You've given me no reason to appreciate you for anything more than the fact that you're going to sell me your pie, so that's all I'm going to look at. In comparison to that, if you look at somebody who has John's marvelous creations in pies, mm. well, aren't you immediately drawn into an emotional or a response that you're going, oh, I want a marvelous creation in a pie. That would be really cool. It gives them a reason to, A, look further, so build curiosity, make people. Pricepeak does it beautifully. What the hell does Pricepeak do? I want to know more. Mm. Great. Build the curiosity. Um, and it also makes you stand out from your competitors. So when choosing a name, there are three options, generally speaking. There is descriptive, like Joe's Pie Shop. Mm -hmm. There is emotional, which is the, the marvelous creation. Um, and then there's obscure, Pricepeak. Yeah. Price pig is somewhere between descriptive and obscure. And Apple is the other great example I use to obscure. Whoever used a fruit to name a computer store or a technology company, mm. it was so unexpected that everyone's a bit like, oh, that's unusual, and it made them stand out from the crowd. So the emotional and the obscure give you stronger basis, not only from your customers recognizing you, but it's also stronger to register as well. You can better chance of getting registration um, by using emotional or obscure. And is it better to have a shorter name when you're getting these trademarks and having something longer? Is it a difference in the size of the words that you're using to name a business? Actually, no. Um, it's almost the other way around. So I think uh, this is where we come into the conflict between commercial and, and legal. Mm. Commercially, I think that people respond to a short name better. Yep. No one's going to tell their mates about the 20-word long business because they're going to shorten it anyway. Mm. Um, and it's no one's going to search for 20 words in a business name. Well, let's be realistic, like four words. Um, it depends on what those words are. It depends on what, how you're using them to reach your audience. From a registration perspective, it can be easier having more words because it gives you a better chance to distinguish you from your competitors. Mm. If someone has one of those words in their name, but you've got three or four other words around it, there's less likely to be confusion in, in the two names. But if you have one word and one word that's very similar, well, that will have higher confusion rate. Um, so that can help. The other thing to think about if you, if you do have a name that is too similar, and I'm often asked about, I've got a brand, I've been using it for ages, I, I, I won't change it. Fine, get that. Uh, if it is too similar to somebody else, you, there are things you can do to make yourself different to them so that you're not infringing their rights and also so that your consumers recognize you from them. And one of the really great ways to do that is to put a word in front. So, oh, what's an example of that? Um, 
I'll use an I'm sure that they've given me permission. Um, we had a, I had a, a client recently who's doing amazing stuff. They've only been in business about 18 months. Um, they have a clothing company. They're doing incredible stuff online, and they call themselves Outcast. Um, what they didn't do is their searches, and they didn't realize there was a Melbourne company also with the word Outcast spelt the same way. And they got a letter from these guys saying, hey, our trademark, you can't use it. And they've come to me and said, oh, look <laughs> – Everyone knows us and we had this massive social media following, much bigger than them, but they are registered and we can't use it. Mm. So what I said to them, the, the way that people – one of the tests for how people remember names is um, that is A, phonetically. So if something sounds the same as something else, it doesn't matter how it's spelled. People will remember them as similar. The other thing is that people remember names in order. So they'll remember the first word first. So if the first word in two marks is the same word, there is a higher chance of confusion. So in the case I'm talking about, what we did is we chose a word to put in front of outcast in order to really differentiate them. We used the word generation. So now they are generation outcast clothing. Mm, It it appealed to their audience. it, uh, it, It set them aside and it really stopped any confusion. Okay, great. Well, that's a good little trick. So you were saying once um, people need a lawyer, it's already too late. Obviously, that is one of those examples. If they had have gone to you beforehand, you would have picked up on this and we would never have got there. But there sounds like that there was a solution, a creative solution that came out of it. <laughs> there was, and sometimes there can be. So if somebody is finding either an objection from IP Australia or a problem um, that's raised by someone else out there in a, cons- a consumer or, or a competitor, it's always worth asking the questions because sometimes there's something you can do yeah absolutely you just need to talk to people who know what they're who that's their space i mean it's okay that you don't know everything we're not meant to know everything go to someone who does who has that expertise right uh, it's completely my mantra at the moment, particularly over the last year or so, is, you know, smart business owners today don't need all the answers. And back in my day, they did. You, if you wanted to start business, you had to know it all. Yep. But today, we have so many people who are willing to help and are willing to guide you in the right direction that, you know, you do what you're good at, but reach out and ask for help in the areas you're not good at because people will help you. Now, what is the ba- what are the basics that people need to be doing? They need to really think about their brand name. You've said that they need to come up with something that is creative that nobody else has got and do the research around that and then get it trademarked. Definitely. You, you have rights in a name that isn't trademarked, but those rights are really hard to enforce. So they're also limited. So if I, if I have a if I have a business in Sydney and I've built um, a, a reputation in my business in Sydney without having my trademark registered, mm. I can stop other people in the Sydney area using a sa- the same or a similar name um, because I've built a reputation. And the concept is it wouldn't be fair for somebody else to take advantage of the reputation that I spent my time and money building and they take the benefit of that. The trouble with an unregistered trademark like that is it really is based on your reputation. So if no one knows me over in Perth, then I can't stop someone in Perth from using my name or a similar name because my reputation doesn't stretch that far. Um, The other trouble with an unregistered trademark is that you need to actually prove, A, that you have a reputation and, B, that it was infringed, it was was, um, damaged. And that's just costly, expensive. It's a court process. Whereas 
as a comparison, if you have a registered trademark, you automatically have national registration regardless of where you operate. Um, you have the right to stop anyone using the same or similar mark in relation to the same or similar goods or services. It's really easy to enforce because there's a register right there which says you are the only person in Australia who is allowed to use this or a similar name or image. Mm -hmm. um, and the process is through IP Australia has its own examiners and its own process and that's how you can go to enforce your rights if you need to. It's much more recognised, it's much easier and, um, and people use it all the time when they have higher um, higher businesses and you know, more successful businesses because they understand that if you want any chance of growth, which we all should be um, aiming at, absolutely, then you know you need to you need to take every step you can to make sure that 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 growth is possible by stopping your competitors throughout Australia. And you can be trademarking. I'm all right with this, Stacey. That you can do your logo, your tagline, and your name. Really, really great question. Um, I'm using taglines over the last sort of six to eight months um, to really help people who haven't got a very strong trademark. Mm -hmm. So if you if you are one of these people who have a, a, an established business and you have a name that people know and recognize, all of your business cards are printed and your website's been up there forever and a day and you don't want to change it, you can put together a very clever little tagline um, to maybe uh, appeal to emotion. So if you have a descriptive trademark, you might want a tagline that appeals to emotion. Equally, if you have an obscure trademark where no one knows what you do, you might use a tagline to to give some reference to what you do. And you can register all those three things. What I find, um, I'll just briefly go over what you get with those. So if you register the name so as a word, then you can stop anybody using that word or a similar word. Mm -hmm. If you register your image, you can stop people using the similar image. So it might be different words, but in a similar image. Uh, so you can stop that. If you just have a word trademark, you can't stop people using um, the same look as you but with different words because you haven't registered the image. So you do need, if you've got something that's very stylized or incorporates some sort of an image within it, so you might have a word where the letter I is a tree or I have a client who has like the, the full stop above her eyes, a little bird. Uh, so if you have something that's very cute, if, um, if, so, if you've got something that's quite distinctive about your, uh, your logo, your, your word, then register it as an image. And what you get then, if the predominant feature of the image is a word, but in a stylized way, then you get protection for both your that's word and done. your image. Yeah, yeah and that's, that's perfect. perfect. Okay, that makes sense. It, it, it is a bit of a minefield, but I, I find breaking it down like that makes it a little bit more digestible and a little bit easier if you can just get your if your logo has your name in it and your tagline like like we've got that was bam we can that that, that one was an easy one um, yeah absolutely so lucky with that and you mentioned that you covered nationally um if you're shipping internationally should you be registering trademarks with other countries or is it okay to just leave that Look, it's, um, I believe that you should, particularly if you're selling internationally. So if you're shipping internationally, you want to make sure that if your product is landing in another country and there are certain countries who are worse at this than others, uh, you're not having some unscrupulous 
person on the ground seeing your products and going, great idea, I'm going to make that locally. And all of a sudden, your sales in that country might dry up. And do you have rights in that country to stop them copying you? China's terrible for it. I'm not disparaging China. They are um, they're really improving their trademark laws at the moment and seeing this as a way for them to improve their international relations. So it's something they're working on. But um, they have notoriously been bad for copying. And, and what I'm told is a point of interest, or I think it's interesting, um, it's not actually that they're copying you necessarily. But what I've been told is that the culture in China is that once you put something out into the public, it's for everybody to use. It's community feel. It's community sharing type ideas. That If you put something out there, everyone gets to use that. And that's that community idea. And so when people have got a, a business or a trademark um, out in the public in China, then everyone's allowed to use that, mm, which okay. completely flies in the face of Western society's idea of protecting your, your mark. So in China, definitely get it. And in fact, in China, get your mark both in Australian and Chinese characters. Oh, that's a good tip. Sorry, not Australian characters, English and Chinese characters. In Australian characters? characters. Yeah. Australian characters, yeah. My handwriting looks like characters. Um, yeah. That's a super tip. Yeah, because, you know, if somebody can register the same name as you in Chinese, then the Chinese won't know the difference because they're reading in both languages. Genius. Mm. That's really clever. Okay, great. So basically, Stacey, you're an expert at covering people's asses. Yes. Yes. So they can basically build an incredible brand and go scalable fast so that none of this rubbish, none of this people popping up and sending letters, you're you're infringing on our trademarks, um, none of that bogs you down. You can just build a fantastic business and not have to worry about anything else. 100%. 100%. The, the, just one other thing that, that it's really good for is most of us are in business because we want to grow and we want to, we want someone to come along and offer us $100 million for it. Yeah. Investors, whether they're buying your business or buying your brand or product, or if they're just investing in your business, they're not going to hand their money over unless they know that it's, it's a protectable investment for them. And if they know that a competitor can very easily come along and start copying you and it's difficult to stop that, they're not going to hand their money over. So trademark protection they're looking for when they're looking to protect their investment. Uh, if you're not taking care of it, why should they give you their money? You're not going to take care of it either. And I've seen that on Shark Tank a thousand times. Somebody comes yep. up with a really great concept. You're on television, <laughs> actually <laughs> right. on television, talking about their new invention. And the sharks go, so you, you've got your IP covered. Uh, you got patents in place, yep. trademarks, and like then the blood drains from their face. You see, I need to go on and be like the legal advisor to <laughs> Shark Tank and make sure they're all up to speed before they face them. You need to be in the green room. Yeah. Handing out your card. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of handing out cards, I do oh, – I'm putting you on the spot here. Um, you know how we've chatted about that amazing uh, free consult that you offer. Is that still on the table for our PIGCAST listeners? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's what I'm all about. I mean, for me, if people can't go somewhere and get some answers or get somebody to review what they're doing and see where are some exposure points, then, then they're never going to ask that question. Well, so, you can't yeah. that in your industry. I mean, calling a lawyer and, and saying, hey, uh, can, I have a, can I have a quick chat with you? Yeah, sure. Uh, here's an invoice. I think that the fact that you're offering that to startups is incredible. And I, and I really um, do encourage everybody to take advantage of that. How do they do that? Is it on your website? Uh, it, 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 there is an email concept on my website where they can simply email me and we will send you the link. Um, but if they are quick and want to write it down, I'm just looking. Oh, I can put it in our show notes. Um, Would you do that? Yeah, it's just absolutely. through you can book me. It just takes you straight into my diary and you can book a half hour session complimentary. 
the big thing is, you know, you you don't know what you don't know. So there may be things that you didn't know you should be doing. Uh, and who? Why should you? You're not a lawyer. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you're not sure about something, or even if you just want to give me a call and say. I don't know if anything's wrong at all. Things seem to be great. Uh, but what do you think? I'm more than happy just to have a chat and see, go through those foundation points. What have you got in place? Uh, what's happening for you next? Are you at growth stage? Are you investor stage? Are you bringing on employees? What are you doing? Uh, and then put, make sure that you've got the right stuff in place for you now. At the very least, it's peace of mind. If you, all your ducks are in a row, you can go two thumbs up. Well done. Yeah, man. I'll send you a gift if you get it all right. I, there you go. I've committed to that on your podcast. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much, Stacey. My pleasure. So make sure you do take Stacey up on that. Check out our website, which is prizepig.com.au forward slash pigcast, P-I-G-C-A-S-T. And in the show notes there, you'll be able to find a link um, to book straight into Stacey's calendar. So what a fantastic opportunity. And, and thanks, Stacey, for bringing up her time for all you Pigcast listeners. I'll see you next week.